This is an opportunity to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. God has told us to go into the world, uh, to make disciples of all nations. That great commission is still in play today. And missionary medicine is one of the great tools for evangelism. Welcome back to another episode of On the Ground with Samaritan's Purse, a podcast taking you to the front lines and behind the scenes of our work around the world. I'm your host, Christy Graham. Within Samaritan's Purse, as you know, there are many different programs and projects. Our last episode highlighted the Operation Heal Our Patriots, which is a ministry to our wounded veterans and their spouses. There's Operation Christmas Child, Disaster Relief, our country offices, and so many more. And honestly, there's so many things happening within Samaritan's Purse, and God allows us the privilege of ministering all over the world. And sometimes it's overwhelming to choose which projects and content to bring you each episode. And while there's so much going on, one thing is the same, meeting people's physical needs, but sharing the gospel. The vehicles for meeting the needs may be different, but the goal is always the same. And today, I want to take you into a deep dive into one of those initiatives that truly propels the gospel forward, World Medical Mission. Since the beginning of Samaritan's Purse, World Medical Mission has been a catalyst to showing God's love to those in need of medical care in some of the most remote places of the world. Over the past few weeks, I've talked with Samaritan's Purse staff across the ministry to give us a full view of World Medical Mission. First, I spoke with co-founder, Dr. Richard Furman, who I've known personally for 18 years to take us back to 1977 when he and his brother Lowell felt God calling them to start the ministry. Let's start at the beginning. So um, I know we've talked many times, but for those who don't know, can you introduce yourself and maybe share how the Lord pressed on early in your life the need for World Medical Mission? Okay, I'm Dick Furman. My brother Lowell and I uh, went to a Billy Graham crusade back in 1977, and uh, they found out we were surgeons and asked if we'd go to India. One one of the staff on the Billy Graham team was from India, and his son-in-law was a surgeon at a mission hospital there and was just overworked completely. He almost begged us to go for a month each. And so, uh, or, or six weeks. So we we agreed to do that. And we hadn't planned uh, to go to the mission field. We hadn't planned any short-term visits. It wasn't it wasn't our doing. It just uh, would we do it? Well, when we went, and uh, each of us went separately. When we got back, we realized what a need, greater need there was overseas than in North Carolina. Mm -hmm. And uh, Franklin Graham was, uh, he was a senior at Appalachian State. So we just threw that at him. Why didn't he set up an organization to send doctors short-term to mission hospitals? And that started the the ball rolling. So Mm -hmm. uh, he wrote, uh, I think it's 29 uh, mission hospitals to see if there was a need. And I think 18 of them wrote him back, send them now. Mm-hmm. I thought they had already started it. So anyway, that was the that was the beginning. Mm-hmm. But we saw that there in, in uh, that first trip, saw the need for evangelism. Mm-hmm. And we'd, Lord, I knew about Doctors Without Borders and different different groups of uh, 
medical doctor that'd go overseas and help. And, oh, they were doing a lot of help medically. But we saw that this, uh, there's a need for the evangelistic aspect of it. And these mission hospitals was where we ought to be going. Mm-hmm. So that, that was sort of the, what separated, we felt like our calling was different from other surgeons who were going elsewhere was the uh, the evangelistic aspect of it. Mm-hmm. And so that's, I think that was the, the true foundational beginning of, of World Medical Mission. Mm-hmm. And I love it. Um, this was before Samaritan's Purse, before Franklin had, you know, taken yeah. over Samaritan's Purse. He was still in school, as you mentioned. It kind of became a, wasn't like a senior project. And didn't he even say, there, there's not a need for that. You know, someone right. probably is, and, and you said, I think, then let's find out if there's something already going. We can right. help them, but there wasn't. And so I love the way that God, you weren't looking for this, right. um, but God put it on your heart. And I, I think of that verse in Luke, to whom much is given, much is required. Right. You know, as a physician, you knew uh, what could be done here in the States. And when you saw that lack and that need around the world, God opened your heart and gave you this burden, this passion, yeah. But you didn't know where this is going to go, and this is what we're going to talk about today, where the Lord has led led it. But first, can you even tell us what is a mission hospital, and are they each supported separately and independently? Yes, they're not uh, Samaritan's Purse. They're not Samaritan's Purse mm-hmm. hospitals. These are hospitals that are, are organized by mission uh, organizations, many of them years ago, back in the 1940s, 1950s, or before even. Mm -hmm. But they run the hospitals, and we just go to support them. And we first started out, uh, like you say, Samaritan's Purse was still run by Bob Pierce out in California when we started World Medical Mission. And as a couple years later, uh, Bob Pierce passed away. They asked Franklin to be director of Samaritan's Purse, which he accepted, and then he decided to bring it from California to Boone. So that's how we got the combination with Samaritan's Purse. Then we realized that the hospitals needed more than just doctors. Uh, one hospital I went to, a little boy had broken his arm. I said, okay, get an x-ray so we know how to straighten it. And they said, well, the x-ray unit hasn't been working for the past two months. How do you run a hospital without an x-ray? And uh, so then you come back and talk to Franklin about could Samaritan's Purse buy some x-ray units for some of these hospitals. Then then that's where the, that intertwining of World Med and Samaritan's Purse came came about. Mm-hmm. And uh, anyway, just to see it's the, the working together. It's just the Lord's work. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's hard to separate the medical aspect uh, without the evangelic mm-hmm. aspect that uh, you just realize that's what we want. Now, you ask what a mission hospital was. Uh, that's how we're involved. We don't run it. We, uh, we can certainly make advice. We, we can help them uh, build new operating rooms, help them redo their, their structure. And you realize there's some, quote, Christian hospitals are doing a great job medically, but they don't have the focus on uh, evangelism. And so that's what we did. We'd mark off the ones that didn't have that focus because had a very limited number of doctors and where we were going to send them, and we wanted to send them where 
there was the focus on telling the patients and the patient's family about Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And so that's that's our definition mm -hmm. of a mission hospital. Mm -hmm. And so that's and that is built through the years uh, to the point right now, as you know, we're starting this uh, chaplain uh, evangelism uh, mm -hmm. course for all of our chaplains there. So that that's been that's been it from the very beginning, and uh, mm -hmm. the Lord's used it, and I think He's going to use it even more now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think that's yeah why the Lord has blessed this ministry is because you stayed faithful right. to the gospel and faithful to what He had called you to do. Just like Dr. Furman said, Samaritan's Purse has been leaning on God for wisdom and guidance. And the past 44 years, World Medical Mission has grown to help meet the needs of these critical mission hospitals. Dr. Lance Plyler, the director of World Medical Mission, gave us more insight on how the ministry has developed. I'll say, uh, Christy, that um, the core values have never changed. That's the thing I love about Samaritan's Purse is the main thing is the main thing is that we mm -hmm. keep Christ uh, on the throne. And that is really the impetus behind what we do. Um, we use medicine uh, for the sake of the gospel. And World Medical Mission partners with mission hospitals all around mm -hmm. the world. We have over 50 um, strategically located in various parts of the world. And, um, you know, medicine is, Franklin said it years ago, but medicine is a magnet for the gospel. And it opens doors that are otherwise closed. And so it's so exciting to be able to partner with mission hospitals. We don't own them, but we partner with them. And um, we send medical volunteers, um, uh, physicians, nurses, and other allied health professionals like physical therapists or speech therapists. And um, really, um, they come alongside the national staff or the, um, uh, the long-term uh, missionary staff there. And I think it gives them a, a break, but it also, it brings in new energy and um, you know, uh, new subspecialties and concepts in medicine. Um, so that's the primary thing that we do is we send medical volunteers uh, to these mission hospitals all around the world. But in addition to that, um, uh, we come alongside the mission hospital. You know, they are in very resource-restricted environments. And so um, we have a very robust biomedical team and a warehouse team, and we get millions of dollars, praise be to God, in gift and kind. Medical equipment, it's mm -hmm. used, uh, Chrissy, but it's not junk. It's That's one of the things that we kind of uh, say proudly is that it's it's great medical equipment mm -hmm. and um, it's fully serviced by our biomedical and warehouse teams. And so when we send it out in 20 and 40 foot containers, um, I mean, this is, um, it's really when you, if you, if you've ever been there, kind of like OCC, when you distribute mm -hmm. shoe boxes, when you open a medical container at a, at a, uh, mission hospital, it's like Christmas day. Mm -hmm. I mean, these are medical supplies that are really going to enable mm -hmm. them to provide excellence in medical care, which is what we strive for. World Medical Mission is so much more than sending out medical professionals. It serves as a lifeline to dozens of remote hospitals in need of equipment. That's where our biomedical technology comes in. They help support mission hospitals to make sure they have properly functioning equipment to help treat the patients in need. Many of the mission hospitals have no diagnostic uh, uh, equipment at all, or if they do, it's very rudimentary, very um, inaccurate. So what our goal is to help upgrade uh, those areas that don't have diagnostic equipment, put newer models in, more efficient, more accurate, 
Uh, it's really cool because a lot of them have uh, technicians that are brilliant. They just don't have the equipment to work with. Mm-hmm. So we contact those hospitals and ask them, you know, what, what skill set do you have and what's your need? Why is it so important to get equipment mm-hmm. to these hospitals? Yeah, you can imagine these are in uh, most of these hospitals are are, are very remote, um, resource limited um, mm-hmm. situations where you have very very little and um, and it's a, it's a it's a real hardship, but it's exciting too because you have to be very um, innovative. You have mm-hmm. to really improvise. Um, but at the same time, you realize, you recognize with these very uh, restriction and, and resources that, um, how vital it is to have the equipment you need. And so that's what our biomedical and warehouse teams are so great at. Um, Christy, we have this massive warehouse. As you know, it's about 200,000 square feet. I believe we're getting ready to build another warehouse to accommodate some of these supplies. But we get GIK. We get millions of dollars from very generous um, uh, donors um, that supply. And again, this is excellent medical equipment. And our biomedical and warehouse team, they look over it. They make any kind of repairs that may be necessary. And we pack these containers. Our mission hospitals, they make a request. They, they, they send out a wish list to us. And we uh, can provide incredible durable and renewable medical equipment. I mean, it, without this equipment, there's no question people would die. So this is the biomed hallway. Okay. All of the shops down here are, uh, there's one or two biomeds in each one. This is just amazing. Recently, I was able to go down to our warehouse in Wilkesboro, North Carolina to meet one of the specialists who oversees the entire process. Like that's a surgical microscope, it's ready to go. My name is Monty Oitker, and I am a biomedical equipment technician for World Medical Mission. So biomedical, uh, that term in itself just means life equipment. Mm -hmm. It's equipment used for promoting or sustaining life. But as far as these hospital sites receiving equipment that we send, um, it's it's kind of a double-edged sword. You want both sides of the sword to be sharp, being that you want the stuff that they receive to be in good shape and to work when they plug it in, and then you want it to be repairable, like I mentioned before. If something does go wrong, we can help support it or they can support it. They can, it can be repaired and continue to function. Um, so talk to me about what it's like, I know Dr. Plyler said when they open their containers, it's like Christmas morning, you know, just mm-hmm. overjoyed. I mean, to, yeah, have things that they didn't have that they need to help their patients. What is it like? Because you do so much here on this end preparing, getting things ready. What is it like for you to see it installed and set up for people that really had a need? I have been able to witness some of the container Mm. unpacking. Uh, Yeah, people are elated uh, to see uh, stuff they've been asking for uh, actually appear. But when it's all put together and they've got a functioning x-ray machine or they have, you know, a new infant incubator, in their uh, delivery department or uh, OR lights that actually stay on and they don't flicker. Um, They just, it's amazing to think that they were working in conditions less than, you know, without those things, but they're willing to. Um, And and if I had to say something about our mission, our missionary doctors, um, I mean, the ones that are long-term career mission doctors and even the ones that go just for a couple weeks or a couple months at a time, you know they're going there for the call. 
on their on their heart. To, their conviction is to be there, not because they had a functioning X-ray machine or because the OR was sufficient mm-hmm. uh, to do what they wanted to do. They're going. Uh, very basic things like microscopes change everything. I mean, if a physician can have a, a microscope that works and do a very basic blood smear, I mean, it saves a life. And to me, that's why we do what we do. Till we, you know, they might have one that's broken, you no know, bulb, and these things. So we will either repair the one they have or send them a new one. Yeah, I can't imagine. It must be so frustrating to have, you know, the skills and the knowledge. You know, you went to medical school and you most, I'm sure, trained in the U.S., you know, and so they had great resources, great technology, and then to be almost, not hamstringed, but, you know, you're kind of, your hands are tied. Right. Um, But I'm sure as a Christian, you know, and I actually just was reading 1 Corinthians, let's see, 1, you know, where it says, when I boast, I boast in the Lord. You know, God uses Mm -hmm. the weak to, Mm -hmm. to, to value, and you guys are not weak. You're very smart and very capable, but I'm sure it must be humbling as a physician, greatly trained, Uh, to to not have what you need. Oh, so many times. Um, it, it is, I mean, I think that's the key word. It is so humbling because um, you are um, trained, uh, many of us are trained in, in very, um, um, you know, high-tech, uh, resource, abundant um, mm-hmm. um, institutions here in the United States. And so you go abroad and um, you, you have the know-how, you have the capability, um, but you have the limitations and resources. And, or maybe even, um, Christy, um, you know, uh, we are trained in a lot of uh, uh, domestically or westernized uh, um, uh, medicine, um, but we uh, confront endemic disease, mm-hmm. um, unusual tropical disease that we don't usually encounter. And mm-hmm. so it is very humbling, and it really calls on you to reach out to God and 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 just pray to Him. I say prayer is my best medicine, and I mean that mm-hmm. with all sincerity. It really does. It challenges you because it really... Um, you're, you're called to do things uh, maybe that you wouldn't necessarily do here uh, stateside. Mm-hmm. And so you really have to lean on your faith. That's how the ministry has been so successful in treating patients around the world, by relying on God and leaning on faith. Another huge aspect of the World Medical Mission that requires courage is our post-residency program. It's a two-year program which helps launch and fund Christian physicians who have been called to a career in medical missions. Um, years ago, um, Dr. Furman uh, recognized that there was significant attrition uh, in medical missions. We needed the next generation, and that's what the post-residency program has really done so effectively. It started in 2004, and um, we just—it's um, really—it's like a fellowship or, or a two-year training program where they come alongside. We assign them with a medical mentor at a mission hospital— and uh, they go uh, and train with them for two years. Uh, these are uh, doctors that have just recently completed their domestic training, but they do really have not been prepared in international medicine and in, in, in a resource-restricted environment. So that's what the post-residency program is all about. And it prepares them. We vet these um, physicians to be career missionaries. And um, it really has done just that. It's creating the next generation of, of medical missions for, for the mission field. Then you realize that some hospitals are actually closing because the doctors are retiring mm. and they're not getting replaced by these sending agencies. And it's a different world now that uh, uh, a resident, when he finishes med school and his residency training, uh, most of them are way, way in debt. And they think, well, they're called to the mission field. 
but like CMDA said, uh, less than 2% end up there, even though they feel called, because what they do, they get out and they get a job to start paying this uh, debt out. And, uh, you know, then they buy a car, then they buy a home, and they never get to the field. Mm -hmm. So then that's when we when we started the uh, post-residency program, where we would take these young doctors as they were finishing their residency, and if they were called uh, to career on the Mission Hospital, we would support them the first two years. And we would help, you know, work on their debt and all of that. Then have them join the sending agents mm -hmm. agencies uh, after the two years. And our talk to them is that we're going to support you two years, but we want you on the field 32 years. Mm -hmm. And uh, right now, 82% uh, of them are staying beyond their, their two years. Mm -hmm. And there's uh, two of the hospitals uh, out of our 50 hospitals that they're all post-residents, that everybody's retired out except for the post-residents are there. You know, maybe five or six of the post-residents there. And, and many other hospitals have, have a lot of the post-residents that are, that are staying. So that's, that's been a need when you look at, the, like I said earlier, uh, hospitals wouldn't be there today if it weren't for Samaritan's Purse rebuilding them. Mm -hmm. Well, hospitals wouldn't be there. To, the mission hospitals wouldn't be there today unless the post residency had had gotten more doctors mm -hmm. to go to the field uh, mm -hmm. as as their their career. Mm -hmm. uh, so when you're looking at at World Medical Mission doctors, that's you're looking at that too. Every chance I get to meet these post residents, I'm blown away at their obedience and surrender to God's calling on their life. They truly aim to be faithful to God over worldly success. One couple that impacted me greatly was Justin and Cassandra Daggett. In 2019, they chose to leave the comforts of home and their family to serve overseas at Kajabe Hospital. They'd only been Christian for two short years, but they chose to follow God's prompting and pack up their lives and move to Kenya. My training is in plastic and reconstructive surgery. Mm -hmm. And so at that point, we had five kids. And, you know, I, oh, I was like, well, you know, it is time to get done. It's time to make a little bit of money. Yes. <laughs> like, you know, um, private practice sounds great right about now. Um, but it really kind of after that fact, it started changing a lot of our priorities. And one of the big ones was I remember coming home to Center and saying, like, look, I don't, you know, I don't think I want to go and do private practice cosmetics. Mm -hmm. Like, I still enjoy the operations, but ultimately, you know, sure, I can do that, earn money and give the money, and that's great. But that's not my first fruits. Hmm. Like ultimately what I am doing and like my first fruits, my labor, my thought, my effort is not going where I feel like God wants it to go. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of changed track a little bit and started kind of pursuing more of the pediatric and craniofacial, which is like the cleft and the congenital anomalies and all that kind of stuff. It was one of those things that just kept weighing on me for the next several months, really. Um, and finally, I got to the point where I, I prayed what I kind of say is a very smart, very dumb prayer, mm -hmm. which was, Lord, if this is what you want me to do, please make it evident. Um, and uh, about a week later, I got a one-sentence email from Knoxville, Tennessee, um, 
that just said, we can't make a job work. That was literally the sum total of the email. So I went from a handwritten note from the CEO to a one sentence blow off email. Mm -hmm. um, and I emailed them back. I called them nothing. Wow. Like no answer, no response, no anything. Um, and so <clears throat> after panicking in normal human fashion, I did say, all right, I guess I did ask for this, right? Um, and so started kind of looking into missions. But neither of us had, we, we'd been Christians for two years. Not, yeah, not even. Yeah. We, didn't, we didn't know another missionary. Mm -hmm. You know, my, my vision of a missionary where you, you were a pastor right. that, you know, had all this training and knowledge. And, and so didn't even know where to turn to get help. We didn't know how, how do missionaries get to the field? How do they support their family? No idea whatsoever. Through a friend's prompting, Justin and Cassandra heard about Samaritan's Purse post-residency program through World Medical Mission. They felt God calling them to apply, even though they didn't feel qualified or capable. We had no experience. So we're filling out this application and we're saying, they're never going to pick us. Right. Because it's, you know, how long have you been a Christian? Two years. What's your mission experience? None. None. Church leadership? None. Like, how long have you wanted to be a missionary? And we're like, eh, maybe a few months, you know? And so like, we're, we're, we're never going to, we're never yeah. going to pick us. And we're talking about like, this is going straight in the garbage. Um, but I love it. It, it didn't. And we ended up, you know, getting selected to join the post-residency program. And now we've been on the field here in Kajabe for, I guess we're coming up on... A little over a year. Yeah, a little over a year now. I love it. So, it's been a whirlwind couple of years. I love it. I think, and I think you said the quote of when God asked you to do something, it's not yes or no. It's to obey or not to obey. When we first got accepted into the program, um, the team at World Medical Missions you know, asked us if we wanted to do a site visit. Mm. Um, and I think they might have thought we were a little, little crazy because we said no, um, because it was clear enough to us mm -hmm. that God wanted us to be here, um, that the cost of a plane ticket and the time mm -hmm. in the middle of a fellowship, we said it didn't really matter if we liked it or not. Mm -hmm. It wasn't about whether we liked it. It was whether he wanted us there. And so going and seeing Kajabe wasn't going to change anything. Um, yeah. I love it. You're, bring, you're making me cry. Um, I love it because it's like, it's not a job for you. It's a calling, you know, and when God calls you to do something, you're right. It's not a matter of our preferences and our, our likes and our feelings. I just love the Daggett's faith and obedience, the way that they didn't need to visit Kajabe before committing to serve there full time. Once God called them, they wanted to be obedient no matter their preferences or the specifics. These brand new Christians were living out the fact that they are not of this world, but living for eternity. And they knew what they did for God was forever. I love this call from 1 John 2, 15 through 17. It says, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. The last major component of World Medical Mission is a program called the Surgical Specialty Team. These teams were designed to go on the ground to bolster and educate mission hospitals for the sake of the gospel. You know, in the United States, I think we often take for granted surgical intervention. It's estimated that one-third of the deaths globally are attributed to conditions that could have been solved with surgical intervention. 
This death toll is more than HIV, AIDS, malaria, tuberculosis combined. And that is why these teams aim to teach mission hospitals so that they have the knowledge to save lives through surgery. Just a few years ago, um, we started uh, another program. It's called Surgical Subspecialty Teams. And I love this program because um, it's not uh, just bringing in surgical um, teams uh, to serve for 10 to 14 days and then go home. What it does is we bring in medical expertise in either orthopedics or obstetrical fistulas or management of hydrocephalus. And, and some of these programs are just getting started. But what we do is we come in and we bring in subspecialists that can do these um, uh, these uh, um, procedures with excellence. And they come alongside the career missionaries there or the national staff there and really instruct them because um, they haven't done this subspecialty work, but we but they can do it. They're capable. And so mm. we train them. And we also bring in the, the vital medical equipment that's that's really necessary to be able to do this. And so uh, at the end of the program, it really it enhances uh, the clinical skills uh, of the um, staff, the missionary staff that serves at these mission hospitals. So again, bringing greater excellence in medical care for the sake mm-hmm. of the gospel. So I guess even as people are listening, maybe maybe someone knows of a doctor that, that is a Christian that wants to serve the Lord. Right. I guess what are some, some next steps that someone could take if they feel a calling, because the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. We need um, Christian doctors to serve. What, what, what would you encourage them to do? I would encourage any doctor listening, if they've been or thinking about going, you know, okay, contact Samaritan's First World Medical Mission, about going, but also get uh, at least three of your doctor mm-hmm. friends and tell them about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you may can go together, uh, or you may want to take your family uh, to these mission hospitals. And uh, I would just encourage uh, encourage everyone listening. If uh, if you're not a doctor, you you have a doctor, so mention mm-hmm. it to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, if he's a believer, then uh, I let encourage him or her to uh, to contact us and um, get on the list. We know where the needs are. The neat thing about World Medical Mission, it's more elective. Um, as I said, we have uh, 50 uh, plus mission hospitals around the world. And you just tell us when you're available and everything else. It's a turnkey opportunity. We do everything for you. We uh, fulfill your flight itinerary. Um, we make sure that you have safe travel arrangements, a safe place to stay. Some of the venues um, are appropriate to bring your family, some alone. And um, it's uh, so, and you can designate a, a, and volunteer for a given amount of time. It can be four uh, to eight weeks or, or more, whatever um, time you have available. Um, and you can go anywhere in the world, wherever um, the needs are. We match your subspecialty mm-hmm. for the needs on the field with our mission hospitals. We desperately need more people, mm-hmm. um, uh, literally. Um, uh, so if you're a healthcare professional, if you're a physician or you're a nurse or an allied health professional, please look mm-hmm. at our um, Samaritan's Purse website and and look uh, under volunteer opportunities to serve at World Medical Mission or look under, vo- or, excuse me, employment opportunities under DART and, mm-hmm. and just um, come and get involved. Come to PFR, uh, get involved. We really need you. I love what Dr. Furman said. You may not be a doctor, but you have a doctor. We need mission-minded doctors and nurses to answer God's prompting. So please be in prayer about the people in your life and if there's anyone you can share this information with. The Daggetts are in the field today because of word of mouth and a friend telling them about World Medical Mission. 
And you just heard Dr. Plyler mention PFR, which stands for Prescription for Renewal. PFR is an annual medical mission conference. And if you're listening and you want to get more involved or get a sense of what World Medical Mission does and how to be a part of it, you might want to consider coming to the conference this year. This year, it's going to be held in September in Orlando, Florida. There will be so many speakers and um, medical professionals uh, to help lead seminars. But among them, you'll hear from former Vice President Mike Pence, Dr. Ben Carson, Dr. Russ White, Dr. Mike Chupp, and many more. You will have two full days of medical lectures, spiritual enrichment, and fellowship. I've been to these conferences, and it is incredible and truly allows you to catch the vision of what Samaritan's Purse is doing and hear more about it from people who've been on the field. When I was with Dr. Furman, we talked off record about one of his favorite verses. It's Proverbs 16.9, and it's had a profound impact on both of our lives as we surrender to God and allow Him to lead us. It says, A man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. We have both seen personally in our lives uh, a plan or desire that we have, but the Lord directs us somewhere else. And I've witnessed this obedience in all of our staff in World Medical Mission, and it's exciting to be a part of this kingdom work. It's not always easy, but it truly is a joy-filled life when you say, like Jesus did, not my will, but yours be done in every aspect of your life. As World Medical Mission is being grown and fostered by God, I asked Dr. Furman how we could pray more specifically. How can we be praying? So people listening say, oh, I want to be praying. I don't even know how to pray. How can we pray for World Medical Mission and those that need medical care around the world? Well, I think I think we'll go back and we have to stay on that basic focus of what the Lord wants us to do. And... We have to take self out of it. Mm. Uh, we have to take uh, the name of Samaritan's Purse or World Medical Commission or whatever out of it, not to build up uh, uh, something that, that sounds good or that we're using the top-of-the-line uh, known doctors. We want the top-of-the-line spiritual doctors mm. uh, to do the Lord's work and that we just ask Him to, like, we have to make our plans, like that verse you just mentioned, one of my mm-hmm. favorites, uh, Proverbs sixteen nine. that in his heart a man makes his plans, but the Lord directs his steps. Mm-hmm. And I think that's it, that we just have to keep our hearts and our minds mm-hmm. open uh, to what He wants us to do and start making plans uh, one way or the other, and let him direct those steps. But the main thing is, is I like the uh, I like the focus of we have to want the Lord's will, not our will. Mm-hmm. You know, like if I come up with a thought, think, hey, this sounds good. Let's do this. If it's not the Lord's will, mm-hmm. then you don't want that. And I think that's the prayer we have to pray for the future that mm-hmm. God. Uh, this is this is my plan, or this is our plan. And if it's not your will, shut that plan down. Mm-hmm. We want your will. And I think that's going to be the key for our future, mm-hmm. is that we better watch out what our plans are, and we better pray that the Lord doesn't let that go if that's not, if that's not His direction. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, we want him to direct each step uh, that we take. We don't want any wasted steps. Mm-hmm. And we want to keep our... This is all... I look at World Medical Mission as a, as a platform mm-hmm. uh, for evangelism for the Lord. And we don't want to put any scratches on that platform. We want it clean and smooth. And Mm. so when what we say to another doctor or what we say to somebody about World Medical Mission, that that platform doesn't have any uh, cracks in it, doesn't have even any scratches in it, that we want to keep that that platform uh, clean. We want Mm -hmm. to keep it smooth. And just ask him to help us do that. Thank you so much for tuning in today. This episode hardly scratches the surface on the ways that God is working through this specific ministry. So we're excited to tell you this is just the beginning of many more episodes that will focus on specific stories from mission hospitals and how the Lord is working here. Again, if you're interested in knowing more or applying to be part of World Medical Mission, visit our website, SamaritansPurse.org. Thanks so much for tuning in and God bless.